Well, happy Easter, Faith Life family. It's so good to share with you on this Easter Sunday. The wonderful joy is that he has risen. And if, if we were there together, I would like to say, Christ has risen. And you would say, he has risen indeed. And so why don't we do that where you are sitting down right now? I'm going to say it right now, and then you can going to respond to me. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. And that's the joy of this particular day, that he's alive. And as Jesus said in, uh, in, in the Bible, I am the resurrection and the life. And that to us is just the, the cornerstone of the fact that he's alive today and we celebrate Easter, the victory over death, the joy of knowing that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we think of this today, we give God thanks for the pleasant privilege of knowing him as our Saviour and as our Lord. And I would like this morning just to share with you um, under the title Resurrection Life, because we are people of resurrection life. And when I think about that, I think of the, the wonderful joy of being a Christian. And it's wonderful to think that when Martha met Jesus, he said to her, do you believe this? And to see Jesus in front of her and to, to just be aware of the fact that he's alive. It, it must have been amazing. And I wonder how I would feel if, if I saw the resurrected Jesus um, in front of me and he could say to me, do you believe this? Well, um, to see him physically and, and to see him alive would be a privilege and we've got to, to appreciate the fact that we do believe it, that he is alive today and he lives within our hearts. And on, on thinking about this, um, I was thinking about uh, uh, a young man called D.L. Moody. Now, D.L. Moody was a, an amazing preacher. He was an evangelist well over 100 years ago and he preached all over the world. In fact, um, he came to Glasgow. Uh, way back and he had a big tent in Glasgow Green and it had a big impact upon the the city to the extent that he opened a Bible college there called the Bible Training Institute and a hundred years later I went to it and I studied there and I heard the story about Dwight L. Moody and all that he did there. It, it was a remarkable experience and you know as a young man D.L. Moody was called upon suddenly to preach a funeral sermon and he hunted all through the, the four Gospels and he was, he was trying to find one of Christ's funeral services, one of his sermons, but searched in vain and he found that Jesus broke up every funeral he ever attended. What a wonderful testimony. He broke up every funeral he attended. Um, death could, could not exist where he was. And when, he, when the dead heard his voice, they sprang to life. And D.L. Moody began to realize that he wasn't going to find a funeral sermon in the Bible, in the life of Jesus. And for you and I today, that's a wonderful privilege because you and I today are the followers of Jesus. We are running after Jesus today, and we have become Christians 
by the power of the Spirit of God, by the fact he died on the cross and he rose again and is alive today. And when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit fills us and it's not just a feeling, it's a reality that the presence of God is within your life, that we have a living Savior. And today, just like Jesus walked around the, 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 the country of Israel, wherever he went, he actually broke up every funeral service. And you and I today, in a spiritual sense, we are going to break up every situation that is death and bring it back to life. And that's what happens when we become a Christian. We are actually brought from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the wonderful joy of Lord. And you know, that's why I believe each one of us are resurrection people, because the living Savior lives within our lives. And wherever we go, we bring about the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we share the good news of salvation, people receive a message of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we are, don't forget this fact, we are resurrection people who bring resurrection life to the world. And you know, Jesus brought to us this certainty that death is not the end. That's the privilege of Easter. Death is not the end. We call this world the land of the living, you know. That's a kind of normal phrase that you hear. Oh, it's great to be in the land of the living, that we're still alive today. But um, it would, in fact, be more correct to call it the land of the dying. Because everyone has got to die at some point. But through Jesus Christ, we know that we are journeying not to a sunset, but to a sunrise. Because can you imagine the joy one day of when Jesus comes back and, and maybe we're, we're going to be here when he comes, or maybe we have died, but one day there's going to be that sunrise, that, that bright and morning star, that joy of the fact that we are actually in the land of the living, in a spiritual sense that we have resurrection life. And that to me is one of the great things that we can think about in Easter. But one writer said that death is a, a gate on the skyline. And I'm looking forward one day to go through that gate, whenever that may happen. And in the most real sense, we are not only on our way to, we are not on our way to death, but on our way to life. And this Easter, we've got to be reminded of that fact, that we are people of the resurrection. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thought of Easter. And you know, when I, th I was thinking about this, I was thinking about all that, that um, we have seen and, and we can learn from, from, the, from the Bible about, about Easter. We've heard it so often. We know the story so well. But I want to bring out just one or two areas just to encourage you on this Easter Sunday. First of all, Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus keeps his promises. And to me, that is a wonderful thing. If, if there's a, a theme in, in Easter, it is the theme of trust. You can trust him. He said he would rise from the dead, and he did. Every word he said, he fulfilled. Whatever teaching he was teaching, it worked out that way. There was never anything that was not, not 
an area where we could trust him. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing that in our walk, in our everyday life, we've got to realize that Jesus keeps his promises. We are born of the Spirit of God. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the King. And, he's, and, and the Holy Spirit is within our lives. And we've got to realize, wherever we go in this resurrection life that we live, we can trust him. We can trust him. You know, I remember just a few years ago now, um, when I realized that when you go out and you're, you're doing something for God, and you pray, Lord, I want you to be with me. I want you just to make sure that, that you're going to be, they're going to be there. And, and you wonder what's going to happen. Because one time, um, I took a team from Glasgow to Naples, two and a half thousand miles in a minibus, about a dozen of us. And uh, my faith wasn't very strong because vehicles can have, they have moments when you travel, particularly when you're abroad. And so I took a mechanic with me just in case we broke down. He was a good friend of mine and he wanted to be part of it also. Well, well this is my insurance policy. I'm going to make sure that, that if anything happens, if we break down, we've got the man there to, to, to sort it. He took his toolkit with him and I thought everything's going to be fine. And that's the way it was. That was the joy of knowing that assurance there. So <laughs> off we went to Naples with a long journey down there. It took us about five days to get there. And for two weeks, we did evangelism with the church there. Got all over Naples, um, um, speaking and sharing and giving out literature. It was, a, and it was a great experience, particularly for young people who were learning the, the privilege of mission and to share the fact that Jesus is alive. And so we had a great two weeks there, great fellowship, great fun. The Italians are wonderful people. The piazzas give, give um, great opportunity for open airs. And um, wherever you went, you could just be there and do that. So we had a great time. Then, of course, we had to say goodbye to them. And, and off we went home and we travelled up through uh, Italy. And we crossed over at, at Genoa and then up through um, France. And on that main motorway for, uh, up to Paris, we were all doing well. And all of a sudden, there was a red light coming up in the dashboard. And I thought, oh dear, what's this? And I thought, I'm okay. I've got my mechanic with me. And so we stopped the minibus and because the lights were going down and the battery was getting flat and we went into a service area and he said, okay, mechanic man, just you go and, and sort this. So he went out and looked at the engine and he came back to me and he said, Bob, um, I can't sort it. It's the alternator. I need to get a new alternator. I can't repair it. So you can imagine my situation there and, and all that was taking place. I'm, I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck in, in uh, about 200 miles south of Paris. And you know, um, all the young folks, they weren't worried about it. But one thing I began to realize, Lord, you brought me here. We had a great time in, in Italy. And I'm, I I prayed in, in, in the minimus on my own, Lord, you've got to get us home. Even the alternator's not going to be working. You've got to get us home. home. So... Um, after a period of time, I said to one of the one of the one or two of the other guys, "Okay, guys, we're going to push this vehicle, and we're going to get it started, and we'll do our best." So all these young folks, with enthusiasm, they actually pushed the vehicle, and it sparked into life. It spluttered a lot, but I thought, "Keep the engine going." So we got all in the minibus, and we spluttered up the the motorway to Paris. 
we spluttered through Paris, we spluttered up to, to Calais, and we got to the hovercraft where we were going to go over to, to England, and I said, don't stop the engine, keep it going. And so for an hour it kept going until we got onto the to the, the hovercraft, we parked the, the, the minibus, and you know, the engine stopped. But for no reason the engine stopped. And it was it was it was a, a funny experience looking back now, because we had to push off the minibus from the hovercraft, push it over the sand, and push it through customs. And you see these big big signs, anything to declare. I thought, yeah, take it away. But I says, thank you, Lord, you got us home. And the AA came and they gave us a new automator. And you know, I learned a great lesson of trust there. Because to be left in the middle of France and nowhere to go and, and, and have no idea of the language as well, uh, we've got to realise that the resurrected Saviour is everywhere. He is with us. And we can trust him because Jesus actually keeps his promise. And to me, that's a wonderful theme of the resurrection, that Jesus keeps his promise. But also, we've got to realise too that, and the second point is this, that we serve a living saviour, not a human idea. We serve a living saviour, not a human idea. It's an eternal kingdom ruled by a risen saviour. That's who, we, who he is. And we have this, his rule and his reign in our hearts and lives. As Proverbs 12 says, truth stands the test of time. So if the first lesson is about trust, the second lesson in the Easter story is truth. What he says, you know, this is not a human being. This is an eternal living saviour who is God, the son. And that to me is wonderful. We are an example of that expression, the resurrection of Jesus. And of course, I was thinking back about this whole thing and I uh, I was reminded very much of, of, of an old hymn that I used to sing about he lives within my heart. I serve a risen saviour and he's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever man may say. And you know, to me, that is the, the joy of this fact. This is the truth of it all. And when we, when we sing that, that hymn, he lives, he walks with me, it says in the chorus, and he talks with me along life's narrow way because he lives within my heart. And so you've got to realise that we're not following a human being. The next area I want to share with you is all about this fact that the resurrection gives an assurance that we will be resurrected too. And that is the whole area of hope. Um, it's a wonderful thing to realise that we have a hope um, because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and through the resurrection, we have hope. We have the assurance of hope um, without a doubt. And when I was thinking about this, um, it reminded me actually of a, a visit that Eileen and I made to our, our son, Alan, and his wife and family when they were in Cape Town. They were there um, pastoring a church in Cape Town, beautiful church, and uh, it was great to be there. They were there for four years. And we went down there to share with them and to meet the church and also have a holiday. And part of the holiday was that um, we um, had a bit of sightseeing because that whole area of South Africa is 
is absolutely beautiful. It's just amazing um, place to go. It's the culture, the atmosphere, the people, they're, they're amazing. But while we were there, um, they took us to the Cape of Good Hope. Now, the Cape of Good Hope is so well known around the world. It's the most southern part of, of Africa. And it's a wild place to go. It's a place that actually, when you go there, you're very glad you're in, you're in dry land because the wind is so strong, the gales are there, the waves are so high. It's quite remarkable to think about it all there and to see what took place there. And over the centuries, many ships were lost there, many sailors died, and it was called the Cape of Tempests originally. That's what it was called for, for a long, long time, until a Portuguese sailor, he found a safe way around the Cape. He was able to navigate around a certain part of the, the Cape there to get them to the other side, whether it was from east to west or from west to east. He found a way of safety. And um, through all the, the, the tempests and all the gales and all the troubles and all the anxiety. Um, and so because of that, many, many people were saved and, and they, could, they could go through that area with, with, with um, hope. And that's why it was changed, the name was changed, to the Cape of Good Hope. And you know, that reminded me very much of Jesus Christ. He is our, in a sense, Cape of Good Hope. He has taken us through, he has taken us from, from darkness to light, he has taken us from the power of the enemy to salvation, to the, the fullness of all that God has for us. And that to me is an amazing concept that he is our cape of good hope. And so we have that assurance that with the resurrection, he has given us hope. So with us, we can know that in a very personal way. And of course, it also says one day we will be changed, as 1 Corinthians 15 says. You know, we, we will be changed. And to, to me, that is an amazing concept to, to think about, that we're going to get a new body. One day we're going to be changed. We're not going to be deteriorating, and I might not even have gray hair then. Who knows? Um, I'll be interested to see you and you'll be interested to see me. Um, and when we look forward to that, it's, it's amazing that we're going to be changed. That's a hope we have, that one day we will move forward and we will be with him forevermore. And, and so what a hope we have in that, that we have that assurance that we have Jesus Christ as our, our cape of, of good hope. And, and he is a wonderful saviour to be encouraged with in that area and so as we, we think about all these things and as we, we look forward to to the future let's realize this fact that that we can have trust in him where he's alive and he's with us um we can have that truth that what he says is true truth has set us free we have this hope that gives us a an eternal destiny. We have an inheritance that's incorruptible, that will never fade away. It will, it's reserved in heaven for us. And to us folks, as resurrection people, um, that's a sure, a sure assurance 
that God is with us in that way. And so never forget that, that we have such a hope and, and the blessings of the future will outweigh even the blessings of, of the past. And so as we think of Easter, um, I just felt that God was saying to us that we've got to now, as, as resurrection people, living resurrection life, we've got to move forward now and we need to live that life so that in the world that we're part of today, which is challenging um, to live in and many, many restrictions that are there, we've got to realise this fact that we are people who can bring life, resurrection life to, to many folks. And on thinking about that, I was thinking about these verses in Ephesians 5. It says there in verse 1, Follow God's example in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. And to me, that's a lovely graphic picture as we look and live as resurrection people. And I want to give you a couple of things um, um, over the last few minutes. The point is this, God is calling us to be like perfume. You know, we are in a sense, as other translations say, we are, that, that the aroma of Christ went up to heaven because of what Christ has done. And you and I today are people who express the aroma of Christ. Or, or in this translation here, the, good, the Living Bible, it, it's the perfume. And, you know, um, that's a, a great and graphic picture. I remember before I was a pastor, I was a salesman. And I worked in a big department store in Socky Hall Street in Glasgow. Many folk know that place. And I, I worked there in my teenage years, learning the trade um, in, in the shop there, in a huge department store there in, in the men's department. But every so often I would take a wander down to the ground floor and through the, the perfumery department, to the men's area where you got all those fancy names like Hugo Boss and Eve Saint Laurent. And what's lovely there is that they've got samples there. And and I used to go there and give a wee a wee spray and of this and a wee spray of that and and um I, I really um I, 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 the aroma was quite something and I used to forget about that and I used to wander back to my department and I, some of my pals there would say, We know where you've been. You know where you've been because the aroma of these perfumes were there and so in a, in, a, in a spiritual sense we are people who actually um should radiate reflect who we are in christ that to me is an expression of easter that's an expression of 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 real um a real evidence that something is different in us and so god is saying to us be like perfume and that to me is a, a very very important area for us to to remember another area too uh, i feel um as we we serve god together is we need to be productive verse 10 says this for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true and so there's light in us there, there, there is there is production there, hearts full of love, produces something. And I find that very, very important when you realise that we are people who can live in the light. We are people who live in the light. 
we are it's daylight living uh, in that way and where we are god wants us to produce something he wants us to in our resurrection life we want to have an effect on those around us and it's amazing how, how that, that can take place. It can happen in a very personal way. It can happen, happening, uh, you know, at our work. Um, I remember when I left my job uh, as a rep in Glasgow to go into full-time work. Um, these folks uh, heard what I was going to do and, 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 and we had a, had a really good job. But, the, but they said, why are you doing this, Bob? You're giving up a great job here. But the point is this, that I was going to a, a better job a calling to do something for God. And that was my calling, not everybody's calling, but it was Eileen and I, it was our calling to do that. And that to me is a very important lesson for us to learn that we are people who need to be productive and we need to produce good fruit that will last forever. And you know, one over a few years ago, um, we were involved in organising conferences for church leaders around the UK, and, and one conference was in Hemel Hempstead, and I remember that very well. Um, we were living in a hotel there, and at breakfast time, I saw this man um, sitting on his own, and quite ordinary little man, and he, he was there, and... I went over to say hello to him and just, uh, he hadn't been, like a, I didn't know him at all. I said, hello, my, my name is Bob. What was your name? I said, oh, my name is Suresh. I said, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from India. You know, a very quiet little man, unassuming kind of guy. Um, and uh, I'm always interested to know about people's stories. And, and so he began to tell me a bit about what he was doing. And it, it came uh, to the surface that this man had various Christian centres uh, in India. He was feeding people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in different centres. He, he had places for teaching and training. He, he had a ministry that it was a massive ministry all over the, the place. And he was sitting there so unassuming, but there was something in him that radiated the living saviour and sitting and listening to him i felt wow this man is is being so productive and in the middle of it all i, I was asking now tell me serious what's what is the the essence and the basis of of what you're doing he says well bob the, I, I can put it in three words he said soap soup and salvation soap soup and salvation and I thought, that's interesting. Then I realised what he was getting at, and he explained it. He says, well, we get people who come who are destitute, and they need a really good wash. They need some good soap. They need to be cleaned up physically. Um, there are people who are also, after that, very, very hungry. And so what they do, they, they feed them, they give them some soup. And in that kind of way, um, they're loved back to life. They're just living the life they're being, these folks there were expressing the love of Jesus to them. And then through that, they realized that, that people like Suresh had something that was new to them. Why are they doing this? Why are these people so loving? Why are, why are they like that? And then they, they come to realize that they are Christians and they are people who believe in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when that comes to the, the surface, so many of these people in India, um, because of soap 
and soup and salvation, they came to know Jesus Christ. And this man was there just to get refreshed. He'd come all the way from India to the conference and for a few days he was being refreshed to go back in there and, and to do his ministry. And you know, that is a lovely picture of the Christian. Whatever we do, um, we've got to realize that we have a, a, a calling to be productive, to live a life of love, to be somebody that has that expression of, of perfume and we've got to realize that when he lives within our hearts and it overflows to other people, then we find this fruitfulness coming to the surface. So resurrection life is all about the aroma of Christ oozing out of us because we know he's alive. And also the fact that because of that, we are able to share the good news of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I look back now and, and think of many people who who just by, by being there, you, you don't have to be famous, be yourself, just be yourself. God has called you, God made you, you're unique, and he is calling you to do something very, very special, whether it's to somebody that you know well, or somebody you don't. I remember once we, we were, we, we lived in a, in a town where there was an army camp, and I remember there was one man, uh, his wife came along, she became a Christian, and this, this, this chap was a, a major in the army. And he wondered, he was a very well up in, in the army there. And, and he came along and wondered, what is going on with my wife? And so he invited me along to his home. And, and, and we had a chat with him over a, a period of weeks and he became a Christian. And it all just happened naturally. Well, it's naturally, supernaturally. You know what I mean? And so God is calling us just to, to be like that over this Easter time. He's calling us to be living examples of, of who Christ is. So let us, over this Easter time, let us actually know the fact very clearly that Jesus keeps his promises. Let's trust him. Let's also realize we serve a living Savior, not a human idea. This is the truth. This is, a, this is, this is an eternal truth. And, and thirdly, it gives us assurance that we will be resurrected too. It gives us hope. So my prayer would be that God would just bless you now as you, as you enjoy the Easter weekend and that God will bless you in all you do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that Christ is risen and we can all say he is risen indeed. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us to be the aroma, the perfume of Christ. Help us, Lord, to be productive. Help us, Lord, to be resurrection people who live a resurrection life that will express your kingdom in all we say and all we do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So bless you all. We're going to have some worship now. The uh, song is, Oh Happy Day. And it's a great way to just end today. So enjoy the worship and just have a great time. Have a very happy Easter.